Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. We are back for episode number 169 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are... I'm exhausted. <laughs> you and me both, man. If I'm just, if I'm just going to be honest, I'm just exhausted. This week has just been crazy. Uh, oh, I didn't tell you last weekend we had to take uh, our youngest son to urgent care in oh, gosh. the emergency room. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a fun, that was a fun day. Long weekend leads into long week. Yeah, that's how it works, man. Uh, but we're back. We are ready to keep rolling. We're almost done with the Old Testament. Yeah, we are. This week and next week, two weeks yeah. left. Yeah. So it will be almost a full year <laughs> since we started this thing. To do 39 books of the Bible, it's taken us nearly 50 episodes. <laughs> there Wasn't there... Do, we did Psalms in two weeks, is that right? No, we did the Psalms in like seven weeks. That's right. We that took several weeks. You're right. Yeah, and then we did we did a three week um, break for Advent too. So that's true. I forgot about that. So anyway, we're almost done with the Old Testament. Stick with us, and by the end of 2024, we <laughs> might be done with the New Testament. By the time Jesus <laughs> returns, we might possibly be done. <laughs> Depending on how things go in the next year and a half. Anyway. <laughs> Anthony, what's going on with you? Oh man, it has. I'm with you, man. It's been a crazy week. Um, this like this whole spring. Even my daughter the other day, she was like, "Dad, does it feel like time's going really fast?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Well, I don't know. When we started school till like Christmas, felt really, really slow. And from January until now, has felt like one day." And I was like, "You know, you're right." You're right. The, the insight <laughs> of an 11-year-old right there. <laughs> hey, dude, she turned 12 this week. She's 12 oh, now. just kidding. Oh, goodness. She's 12 you now. A, you have a preteen. Don't remind me. Please. Like the <laughs> freest of pre... Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Gosh. So, it's been How crazy. Is she, no, right no. Here. Hang on. Hold on. She's 12? She's 12. Because she was like seven when we met. That was also like six years ago. Five Ouch. years ago. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, getting old, man. I saw this thing. Um, saw this thing today, and it said, um, somebody said, was talking about something that happened 30 years ago, and my brain went to the 1970s, but they were really talking about 1993, and now I have to go lie down. <laughs> hey, just wait till somebody talks about something that was 30 years ago, and you're like, I remember that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm old enough to actually remember that. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm. Anyway. Oh, man. Well, we're here tonight and we're going to do what we always do. Yeah, we are. Which is to drink beer and talk about the Bible. Um, What are you going to drink tonight, Michael? 
So tonight, uh, the second time we've had New Realm Brewing Company on the podcast. Um, they are based in um, Atlanta and Virginia Beach is where stuff is bottled and canned. Okay. I'm not really sure where they're something in the southeast. I'll look it up in a minute. Um, I have the Beach Bounty Lime Lager. Um, it's going to come in at 5.2 ABV. Um, it's got like a lime zombie looking dude surf on a surfboard. Nice. On the can. That's kind of cool. Um, so this is going to be like a summery beach thing, I hope. Um, it's a limited release. And it was packaged almost a year ago, so I'm a little... I'm starting to look for that stuff now on the can <laughs> just to see like oh, how long has it been sitting in the cooler at the package store. Um, so we'll see. Uh, Anthony thinks it's going to be like a uh, Mexican beer with lime in it, um, which I historically don't like. But also historically, those are um, like Dos Equis and mm-hmm. Coronas and stuff like that. So we'll see. But I have a lime, the Beach Bounty Lime Lager from New Realm. Nice. What are you drinking? So tonight, uh, going back to an old faithful, you know, we looked back, we've done this brewery, Duclaw Brewing, uh, seven different times. Tonight will be the seventh time that we've done that. That might be, other than like Fairhope, that might be the most that we've had a a brewery, a single brewery appear on the Beers and Bible podcast. Fairhope doesn't even Um, have that many. It doesn't. I know it has at least four. Because got six. Oh, is it six? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. You did quick search. Good job. Yep. Um, so tonight uh puts Duclaw in the lead. They would have been tied before tonight, six each. Um, but the pastry archy candy cane imperial mm. stout is what I have mm. tonight. And I bought this one and my wife was like, I thought you'd already done all your Christmas beers. And I was like, that's a fair point, but it's candy canes and it's beer, and what could go wrong, right? You're gonna be taken back to Christmas time. I am. You're, you're going to start playing Christmas music tomorrow because of this beer. That's true. I, I'm, so I'm gonna... this, this, when you were talking about yours, I looked on mine. Mine was brewed or mine was canned on 10-31-22. So it was canned on my favorite day to start listening to Christmas music, which is Halloween. Yours was canned more recently than mine. <laughs> By like five months. So that, that again, Skepticism is high on my end right now, <laughs> but we'll see. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna have an open mind because that's I've already what we planted do. seeds of doubt, and now that's only have, feeding them. <laughs> yes. So I've got to. I've got to recalibrate my mind. Okay. Okay. Nothing but good thoughts. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's crack some beers open and let's get to drinking. Here we go. Three, two, one, crack. So when I saw this one, I was flashed back to the um, Lexington, Lexington uh, pine, peppermint not, porter. Peppermint porter, yeah. I'm hoping this is going to be similar to that. Um, can you see the giant particulates in this thing? I can't really hold it up just a little bit. Come up. Oh yeah, I can. Holy crap! It's pieces of lime. Those or, things are like. Oh my gosh. Yo. It's beginning to look a lot like I'm 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 already singing Christmas music. 
I'm gonna have to <laughs> really. This this is gonna be tough. It's it it, it is it's, a. It's a lager. It says uh-huh. it's a lager on the can. It smells like an IPA. Oh no! I'm hoping that's just the lime overpowering everything else, but it smells like an IPA. So, if it tastes like an IPA, it's it, you're automatically getting one Luther. If it, <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right. Well, let's let's turn them up. Let's see what we have. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Not an IPA? Okay. No. Okay, good. You, you squeak by on that one, New Realm. But I can go ahead and go. Do it. Um, This is a pretty standard standard tasting beer, except for the overpowering lime. Um, <laughs> But the lime flavor kicks in at the end. So, okay. like, your initial... Initially, it's like, oh, I'm just drinking, like, a Yingling or a Dos Equis. And then as you get, as you uh, swallow the beer and get it, get it down your throat, it, the lime flavor kicks in. It's almost like an aftertaste of lime Mm -hmm. and it's really nice. Lime is a very sour, punchy flavor, um, but it's not overdone at all. Um, Other than that, it's, I mean, pretty standard tasting beer on the front end. So I'm going to end up giving this. I think three and a half Luthers is what we're going to get tonight for New okay. Realms Beach Bounty. So three and a half. Three and a half Luthers coming in. Out of out of five. Not bad. That's not, not great. terrible. It's a, I feel like I need like a burrito or nachos or something <laughs> to go with it. That is a fair and point. I, Look, and I, and I don't know if that's cultural appropriation <laughs> or what, but it, it doesn't matter at this point. That's what I feel like I need, and I would. I think this would pair really well with Mexican food. Is what I'm okay. saying. So. Nice, nice. Anyway, so is your peppermint thing five Luthers? It is not five Luthers. Um, it what is the, good. What, ha, what? How? <laughs> so, this is an imperial stout versus the peppermint, which was a porter. Okay, so it's a little bit different style of beer. Admittedly, I'm not as big of a fan of stouts as I am of porters. I do like porters because porters are are, they're they're a light version to me. They're a light version of stouts. Okay, Mm -hmm. this one is almost like a smidge too thick. Like, have you ever eaten a piece of fudge and you're like, this is a really good piece of fudge, but it's just like it's too much. I can't. I can't eat yeah. all of it or I can't enjoy this continue like so that's that's almost what I feel I feel like it's too much flavor which is weird for me to say I realize that I get that um the balance between the peppermint and the chocolate flavor is good but not great mm. um this the stout the thickness of the stout and the vanilla flavor of the stout coming in gives it something a little bit differently. The thing that I liked about the peppermint porter was it was it was a light version, I guess. It, it I when I drank it I equated it to an Andy's mint. And Andy's mints are one of my favorite like 
mm-hmm. all time chocolatey after dinner snacks. And so like it naturally got five because I love Andy's mints. This one is is like a, a really, really rich version of an Andy's mint, which I'm not 100 percent certain that I'm I would care for. And so just because of that, it's it is good. It has a good flavor. Um, if you like rich, thick beers, you're probably going to like this a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not bad. It, it It is very good flavor. The balance is not exactly what I would look for. I think I would want a little less chocolate. The, the peppermint is nice, um, but the chocolate is a little bit too much. So you don't get that, that like nice balance between the peppermint, the mint and the chocolate. So for that, I'm going to have to give this four Luthers. Um, okay. Can't quite go to five. I really can't even go to four and a half. Um, and so I'll give this four Luthers. It is good. Um, it's seven and a half ABV. It's, um, I mean, if you like stouts, you're probably going to really enjoy this. I love the name of this line from Duke Law, the pastryarchy, mm-hmm. um, just because I think that's fun. Um, but all in all, this is a good, a good beer. Uh, Duke Law typically does pretty good with us. I think we mm-hmm. only had one or two. I know the 31. I did not like the 31 at all. Yeah, um, we've only had like maybe one or two misses from Duclaw. So Duclaw's yeah. pretty uh pretty stout. Ha, huh, stout. Stout. Um, they're pretty Jokes. stout when it comes to their uh their beer selection, at least what we have found and reviewed here on the podcast. Yeah. So it's good, but it's just a four Luther for me. So well, cool. So Pastryarchy candy cane from Duclaw, getting four out of five Luthers from Anthony. And the Beach Bounty Lime Lager from New Realm, getting three and a half Luthers out of five from me this week. And there is our beer review for this episode. And after this short break, we are going to continue on. We're two books away from being done with the Old Testament. We are getting into the book of Zechariah tonight. So uh, stick around and we will be right back after this short break. Welcome back to tonight's episode, this week's episode, whenever you're listening to its episode. Um, We are in the next to last book of the Old Testament tonight. We are in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah. Zechariah? Zechariah. Zechariah. Um, So, uh, some information to kind of get us, get ourselves set for tonight. Um, Zechariah is a contemporary of Haggai. Um, not Haggai. Not Haggai. <laughs> um, but he has a longer ministry. There's a lot more information about Zechariah known than there mm-hmm. is about Haggai. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit here in a bit. Um, the... Sorry, um, the prophecies are from, uh, from roughly, uh, sorry, we're having some internet issues tonight, so Anthony may have thought I just froze up, but anyway, um, 
<laughs> Prophecies are formed uh, roughly from 520 to the early 400s uh, BC. Um, mm-hmm. The visions of Zechariah are meant to encourage the post-exilic community to rebuild the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more focused on the leadership of the people, um, not necessarily how like Haggai um, had things to say to the leaders and also to the people. This mm-hmm. is more focused on leadership. Um, and then an interesting, I don't know if, I'm not sure what about it's interesting other than it's just interesting, but um, there's a lot of oracles about this coming king who is going to be slain and still triumph. Um, And we know that now that that is Mm -hmm. um, pointing to the person of Jesus and Anthony, you know, you just said before we started recording here that uh, Zechariah with the exception of Isaiah is the most um, referenced book, old Testament writing in the new Testament. Yeah. When it, you know, pointing back to um, things Jesus made, claims he made about himself or things he said, you know. Yeah. I say, a lot of the, I hate saying claim, but whatever. <laughs> a lot of the New Testament uh, writers use, they, they rely on an understanding of Zechariah. And so mm-hmm. it ends up anytime you, you really have a claim about. Jesus or a prophecy about Jesus where you're saying Jesus fulfilled it. They, a lot of times, you know, everybody kind of goes to it and there's, I mean, they're all throughout the new Testament. So it doesn't downplay any other ones, but there, there's a lot of times where they go back to Zechariah to say, you know, and, and he fulfilled the scriptures or mm-hmm. he came in this way. And, and a lot of, a lot of those references uh, include Zechariah. And so it, it ends up being, because of the the nature of Zechariah, it ends up being very Christocentric. Is the is the word gotcha. which means Christ centered? Uh, right. The book of Zechariah ends up being very very Christocentric. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, it's and that's I mean it's really cool to see again Old Testament pointing almost like setting up the pedestal, if you will. Mm-hmm. For Jesus to come in, yeah, um, and so it, it, it's just it's really neat to see how that's all that all works together. Um, so uh, some emphasis for uh, as we're reading Zechariah, um, or that are prominent in Zechariah. I'm sorry. Um, so God is with the remnant that has returned from the exile. Um, we talked about that um, there would be a remnant and that God mm-hmm. would be with them, but. Here, here in Zechariah, it's evident that God is with that remnant. Um, there is a bright future for Israel, despite all of her shortcomings, despite all of the things that um, have seemingly gone wrong. There is still a bright future, again, pointing back to that hope that we talked about a few weeks ago, like that promised hope that is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, there, That's still this case here. Um there's going to be the ultimate king who will come and be slain for the sins of the people, again, pointing to Jesus. Yep. Um, and finally, mm-hmm. um, that God will punish the nations, yet the nations will be saved. Um, mm-hmm. And this really points to the New Testament and how um, all nations, all people from all nations can 
trust in G- trust and believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just salvation is not just reserved for God's people as in Israel. It's reserved yeah. for anyone who believes in and follows Jesus. So, yep. um, so there, there, there we are. We've kind of been, we've kind of set ourselves up and uh, we're ready to get some advice for how to read Zechariah. So anything, why don't you take us through that? Yeah, so as we read the book of Zechariah, historically we're going to <clears throat> relate this book to Haggai, which is is um, I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it's he's related to Ezra and Nehemiah. These are all post-exilic guys. Okay, so Ezra and Nehemiah, um, that's the time frame that we're in, and so Zechariah can be very very difficult to read um, if you just like and and. and just think for a second, like when was the last time you heard your pastor teach out of the book of Zechariah? Like, you know, he said, open your Bibles to Zechariah and let's study. I'm going to, I'm going to take things. My pastor have never, has never said <laughs> yeah, for 200 Alex. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, even, even guys who promote expository preaching, like don't go around Zechariah <laughs> because it's just so it's hard it's these weird oracles and sometimes they don't make sense. And you're like, what in the world is going on here? Um, so he's got these night visions. They're symbolic. It's all of this leads to Zechariah being very, very difficult to read, but we're going to walk through the visions here in just a little bit. And, and it helps to know that these visions are arranged in a, in a chiastic pattern. And we've talked a little bit about chiasms on here. And actually in one of the visions, there's like, a chiasm within a chiasm. And we're going to talk about that too. So all that's coming, but, but there, there's going to continue to be these patterns of what God is doing and what God is going to continue to do and what God is calling his people from, you know, he's calling them to live in as a covenant people. Obviously the covenant is not null and void um, because God's continuing to call his people to covenant lifestyle. And so, you're going to see two oracles kind of towards the end uh, of God's intervention in number one, the the nation of Judah, but also other nations. Um, remember that pattern. Remember the pattern that we've talked about really for all of the, the prophets at this point of God's rule over the nations, God's authority over all nations, regardless of, of, of if they're, uh, you know, his people or not his people, God's rule, because he's the God over all creation, not just, you know, one one people, he's the God over all creation. And so, uh, and and all creation is supposed to worship him. And and so that that continual theme is going to be pushed on through the book of Zechariah. Um, but again, you hit on it a little bit that this theme of the suffering servant that we're going to see in chapters 11 through 13 is going to be reflected. And this was this is what you were hinting at there. Um, it's going to be reflected in a lot of New Testament narration, uh, specifically around the crucifixion. So when it comes to the crucifixion, um, which you consider in all of the Gospels, um, and then you consider the books of like Acts and Romans and Galatians, where where Paul says things like, you know, we preach Christ and him crucified. You consider the book of like Corinthians, where Christ was uh, buried according to the scriptures, died and rose again according to the scriptures. You know, all of this stuff 
is pointing back to these books. Really, I mean, really specifically, um, Isaiah, Zechariah, but uh, I mean, all the books in general. We something we've tried to do each week is show how each prophecy is related to the gospel, um, mm-hmm. and how it points us to Christ. I mean, uh, and ultimately, all of the Old Testament books point forward to Christ. All of the New Testament books point back to Christ. Everything in Scripture is centered around the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we have to keep that as a continual running theme through every book that we discuss um, every, each week. When, you know, when we finish the Old Testament, we move into the New Testament. You're going to keep hearing that theme because Christ is the ultimate mm-hmm. uh, theme of Scripture and and his work and, and how his work reconciles us back to God. Um, and we have salvation through and in because the work, the person and work of Jesus Christ. So um, yeah. that'll help us set up how we should read some advice for how we should read Zechariah, which is a difficult book to read, but let's dive right into it, man. Let's walk through this book. That's a whole bunch of weird visions. Um, it's it's going to be fun to discuss. So let's just walk through this book and, uh, and see where it takes us. All right. So I'll take the easy one to start. So the introduction, <laughs> maybe the easiest part of the book. Um, so Zechariah is uh, established as a prophet sent by God. Um, the heading here, this is interesting. The heading um, is dated about two months after Haggai's initial words. So that like points back to like Zechariah and Haggai being contemporaries and being yeah. very closely related mm-hmm. um, as far as time goes. Um, but the words here serves as validation that Zechariah is God's prophet, that yeah. God has told Zechariah to tell the people um this affirms that the covenant is still in effect and mm-hmm. calls for their obedience um and that is in direct contrast to how their ancestors have behaved <laughs> which if you are unsure what we're talking about uh just pick a random old testament book that we've discussed and go back and listen to that episode <laughs> because it's pretty much everyone <laughs> every every single episode. episode is like Israel screws up god calls them out on it Israel repents, Israel screws up. Like that's that's the whole <laughs> the whole cycle. So, but there there's the introduction, the first six verses of Zechariah, and yep. now we get into the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Let's dive into the visions. So, the first couple of visions here. Um, the very first one is the horsemen. Uh, God's returning to Jerusalem. A lot of times, especially when you read the Book of Revelation, you're going to see you know um, this picture of or this description of. Uh, God riding a horse, returning on a horse, things like that. That's and that's where a lot of this imagery comes from. Okay, so the focus here is God's returning to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Uh, this first vision, um, and and in these, really, in all of these first kind of first sets of of uh, visions, you're going to see this like question answer thing. And so um, Zechariah comes right out and he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me, explain it to me." Um, he's questioning the meaning of what these horsemen are. So the angel comes back and explains it to him. And and this is going to go on through each one of the visions. You're going to have this like question-answer thing. And I think that points us to, number one, that, that God is not a God of confusion. But also, remember what we talked about in Lamentations. Like, God is not afraid of your questions. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand something, God is not afraid of your questions. And right. You know, look at the book of James. We're going to come to the book of James in in like a year or two. Um, (laughs) He says, if anybody doesn't have wisdom, let him ask. And 
God who gives bountifully will give it to him. You know, right. Um, if you don't understand, ask a question. How many times as like parents, I think of a parent, I'm like, if I'm trying to explain something to my kid and they're like, I don't get it. And I'm like, well, ask me a question. You know, what is it that you don't get? Um, and, and as parents, we try to teach our kids to ask questions about things. You know, we say things like, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Um, and then we hear a question, we're like, well, that's a dumb question. <laughs> but <it's, laughs> um, you know, that's that's the point. And 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 we're gonna see that throughout a lot of these visions is is this question and answer, and even sometimes multiple questions and multiple answers. Mm-hmm. And so um it is it is interesting to me that like yeah, we talked about in Lamentations how, like you were just saying, like God's not afraid of our questions. It's okay to answer. It's okay to ask questions or ask God questions about things. But like Zechariah's got an angel explaining this stuff yeah. to him, like <laughs> like verbally. Like we don't have that. Like we we may have like the Holy Spirit giving us like uh, guidance or helping us to see mm-hmm. how you know how potentials how situations could potentially work themselves out or what the yeah. reason for them is. Zechariah in this scenario has an angel there explaining this, explaining <laughs> exactly the thing. Zechariah's like, "Hey, what about this?" The angel's like, "Well, here's what I have for you." <laughs> the good old days when it was direct. Yeah. So it's just that's funny, and also like I think that adds to the confusion of Zechariah because yeah. it's not something we're familiar with. We're that's right. we're more familiar with the. I'm going to ask God a question and hope that I get some sort of guidance from the Holy Spirit as far as getting an answer. Yeah. Um, well, which I'll I'll, I'll add this. So it, I think it's I think it's funny that that you brought that up because in our in our modern context, okay, in our modern culture, we are so used to the concept of let me ask a question and I'm going to immediately have an answer. You know, mm-hmm. I can Google a question and I can have an answer for that question in just a matter of seconds. Right. You know, um, and 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 I think that as God's people, we've lost the art of patience. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, it's and we read, you know, we read Zachariah where he's got the angel standing there and we've lost the art of patience and we've lost the art of work when it comes to studying scripture. You know, because mm-hmm. you ask the question, you know, where am I going to get these answers? Where, you know, we're trusting in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, all of that is 100% true. But at the same time, the guidance of the Holy Spirit is amplified and comes through the diligent study of God's Word mm-hmm. Yep, on a daily basis. Even if all you do is read, just read it. It, you're not trying to like ask deep questions and you're not trying to come, become the most deep theologian that has ever walked the face of the earth. You're just trying to read scripture. Um, and, and you'll be amazed at how many times you may have a question on day one and then day 31, you're going to read something and go, hang on a second. That's, that's an answer to the question that I had 30 days ago. Right. You know, but all it took was a little bit of diligence to just read through and and apply yourself to say, I'm going to familiarize, I'm going to learn and study this letter that God has given to his people to to learn from Genesis to Revelation. He's given it to us. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is read it. And so anyway, that's a total sidebar that has nothing to do with the book of Zechariah. But it doesn't, but it kind of does. <laughs> but it kind of does. So that's vision one. The horseman, the angel, 
He's explaining things. It's really weird. It's super fun. Now on to the second one, which gets even weirder. Four horns, and they're going to get destroyed. <laughs> Welcome to Zechariah. So this is a direct oracle against the nations uh, that had oppressed Israel and Judah. Babylon, mm-hmm. um, we're going to learn in a couple of more visions the um, cost of all that towards them, and and I'm not going to give too much away right now, but just know this is a direct oracle against four nations that had been oppressing and had oppressed in the past. Of course, we're post-exilic now, so they had oppressed Israel and Judah in the past. Judgment's coming. Guess what? You're going to pay for your sins. It's it's like the Bible teaches us that God knows everything, and he's going to hold people in perfect justice, and there's that. So that's the first couple of visions. Take us through the next couple of visions. So next, uh, vision three, Jerusalem cannot be measured. Their return of prosperity. Um so the explanation here in the first, or in uh, not the first, but the bulk of the section here, um, takes a form of a series of oracles. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the coming greatness of Jerusalem with Yahweh as her protector. We have a call to the exiles in Babylon to return. Um, we have Yahweh's dwelling in Zion as universal sovereign. Um, and, you know, it's... It's a recurring theme that I think I'm hoping that we're hammering home, but God is sovereign over all nations. He's sovereign over all people, whether they believe, whether they trust mm-hmm. him or not, God is sovereign. Yeah. And that's, that's like a, that's a truth that we as believers can cling to. Yeah. That God is sovereign over not just my not just my home, not just mm-hmm. what's happening in my house or not just what's happening in our country or in our churches, but he is sovereign over every tribe, every tongue, every mm-hmm. nation. And what's true for me here in Northeast Georgia is true for Anthony and South Alabama is true for uh, the unreached tribes in Africa is true for developed nations in Europe and Asia. Like God is sovereign. Mm -hmm. What happens happens because God allows it to happen. Um, And so he's, he's sovereign. And I don't know what that has to do with Jerusalem, not being able to be measured, but there we go. I just felt like I needed to say that because Trying to hammer that home. Um, all right. So vision four, uh, chapter three, vision four um, is we have the reinstatement of the high priest. Um, part of the rebuilding process was the need to um, have the high, like the, the cleansing of the high priest mm-hmm. um, to prepare to prepare for the presence of God to return. Yeah. Um, without that cleansing of the high priest, God's presence wouldn't be able to return to the temple. Yeah. Um, and so that high priest um, was to function in the temple once it was rebuilt. But if mm-hmm. he's not cleansed, he can't be in the temple worth the presence of God. So it's a that's actually pretty straightforward. That makes a lot more sense than the four <laughs> horns and the <laughs> next stuff that Anthony's going to talk about. But, um, but, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in this section that's a, that you need to take note of. 
as you're reading it, just note like like there's the progression from the clean garbage from mm-hmm. clean garments and turban to recommissioning to the promise branch. Um and, and that promise branch refers to the coming Davidic king, which is mm-hmm. Jesus. We know that now. Um but that's just as you're reading that, you know, kind of note all that stuff. So there you go. That's vision four. Next up. Vision four. So now we're on to vision five. Uh, always get the fun ones, the lampstand and the olive trees. <laughs> and then I'm going to get the flying scroll in just a minute. I love it. Um, so again, the lampstand here, uh, tie this to revelation. This is the renewing of God's presence. Um, you know, when, when Jesus in the vision of John and the revelation, he says, um, to all the churches, I will come and I will remove my lampstand from you. The, the lampstand is a representation of God's presence with that church okay mm-hmm. uh understand that so um the, each vision here previously has had one question this is what we just talked about they've had one question now we're moving to two so now there's like multiple questions it's getting a little bit thicker right now um and this is all centered around uh god's presence being with the people and being in the temple which mm-hmm. you just talked about the reinstatement of the high priest. All of that is a part of the the renewing of the temple, the rebuilding of the temple. Um, go all the way back to follow that all the way back to Exodus. And when they originally built the temple and they had certain things they had to do. And, and even, even then it was, it was a nomadic type of temple. And then you had the temple of Solomon, which was destroyed. Um, and they're, they're supposed to be rebuilding it. Now, all of that is playing into this conversation in this vision right now with Zechariah. And this vision is number number five, the lampstand, is specifically geared toward Zerubbabel. Um, and that God's spirit would bring change inside of the people of Israel that a human power cannot bring. Okay. Relate this to like Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, uh, where it says that in in my weakness you are made perfect. So in an, in a time when I can't do anything. God's power mm-hmm. is the one who gets it done. And and yeah. you know the the theme and the the connecting the connection is is made there between uh what Paul writes and what's in the Old Testament. This is something that uh is consistent throughout scripture. We as humans we can't do it. We don't have the power. And so we have to rely on God's power to sustain to uh propel to encourage, to build up, all of that is done in God's power, and that's one of the themes of of Scripture. And so that moves us into, excuse me, Vision Six, which is the Flying Scroll. Yay, the Flying Scroll, the banishment of evil. Um, in a couple of chapters ago, we talked about one of the visions. Uh, we talked about uh, God coming down. I think it was Vision Two. Let me double check. Yeah, four horns destroyed direct made against uh, the nations that were oppressing Judah. So now we're into vision six and we're tying this together. Um, The flying scroll and the banishment of evil from Judah. This is like a very, very quick question answer section that evil that has persisted in Judah will be banished. And where is it going to be banished to? It's going to be banished to Babylon, which has also been banished, which is being under judgment. So evil is being pushed out to Babylon and Babylon is being judged for the evil that is in Babylon because they oppressed Judah and 
if you if you catch the the circle there, it's all. I mean, this this is like when I think of a like relate this to a movie. Okay, you have an antagonist, and and uh, and this is this plays out so perfectly right here because an antagonist is like he's trying to do something, he's trying to manipulate something in a certain way, and then everything just gets flipped around on him, and he gets the consequences of what he was trying to do. That's almost the way this plays out right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, in here and 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 going forward, we're going yeah. we're going to see that. Uh, it even yeah. even in the next vision, we're going to see the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. um, it's starting to happen right here. But take us through these final kind of two sets of night visions, vision seven and eight. So, vision seven is the woman in a basket, which is the first weird one I've had. Finally, um, you got a weird one. <laughs> Wickedness exiled to Babylon. <laughs> Anthony was just touching on it. Um, this vision has some irony in it with the return of exiles and the evil being exiled to Babylon. Um, let's see. Babylon's been overthrown. The temples will be hang on. The temple will be built. Um, and so the wickedness leaves and goes to Babylon where they're already evil and wicked and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And this vision references back to visions two and three. Um as well with the return of the remnant and Babylon being exiled. So there's how these, uh, how vision seven is tied back into uh, previous visions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into vision eight, the four chariots. Um, God is God at rest and a crown for Joshua. Um, and this wraps up the series of visions for Zechariah. Um, the visions end with four horsemen, which ties us back to vision one with the four um so for the horsemen, yeah, the four horsemen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, there's this new patrol of horsemen, goes throughout the earth, finds it at rest. Um, all of this to say that the time for rebuilding is now. Um, and this is that, you know, the word that came to Zechariah that concludes these visions supplements and reinforces the concerns that have come before it. Um, and so, you know, specifically with the rebuilding of the temple. Um, that, that was, that was a big part of not just Haggai, but also the first part here of Zechariah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's really the driving point of where, or the action that needs to be taken as a result of these visions. So, yeah. um, so we're done with the visions and now we get to move on to even more fun stuff. So Anthony, why don't you take us through that next section? We're done with the weird part, and now we're going to move to the really weird part. Um, no, um, so we to to kind of wrap up um, Zechariah. The and I say wrap up. There's like four, seven more chapters left to do here. Here, so, um, but those those visions really encapsulate like one part of Zechariah, and then you have the the second half of Zechariah is kind of like this closing closing idea that rolls on. But you have a response here in in chapter seven, basically chapter seven and eight, um, and it's a response about fasting. And so it seems like this section right here doesn't fit. But if you really think about it, in the grand scheme of all of Scripture, I mean, this is a question inside of God basically explaining what's what's about to happen. Um, the temple is going to be restored, but the temple is going to point to another person who is greater than the temple, um, who's going to stand, you know, we talked about this in Haggai, he's going to stand at the temple and say, tear this place down and I'll rebuild it in three days. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and nobody understood that he, he was talking about the greater temple of himself. Um, and so there's this question here that's brought up about fasting in chapters seven and eight. And again, in this, there's a chiastic structure and, I just want to walk through this chiastic structure because I feel like it's really good and it's and it shows how scripture builds on itself, but it also answers its own questions, you know. Mm-hmm. And and again, go back to what we were just talking about a little bit ago, where if you have a question, you can ask that question, but don't expect to get your answer in your way in your time. Expect to get the answer in God's way in God's time. Right. Um, and so so Let's walk through just chapters seven and eight right here. So this chiastic structure, it starts off with a question. Do we continue to mourn and fast over Jerusalem's fall? Jerusalem has fallen, but it's being rebuilt. Do we need to continue to mourn over that? And then uh, verses four through 14 of chapter seven, there's a judgment against fasting without obedience to the covenant. So again, God is calling his people to a covenant relationship. He's continually calling his people to a covenant relationship. The fact that he's calling his people to a covenant relationship means the covenant is still in place. It's what that mm-hmm. means. Okay. You don't call people to Des- something that doesn't exist. Despite Jerusalem's best efforts to, to, <laughs> to be out of covenant. <laughs> yeah. But that, that, I mean, that point, but that points back to when God made the covenant, he knew that there would, you know, this is part of the, I'm assuming Abraham and covenant. Oh Yeah. Correct. So, so, but he knew there was parts of it that Abraham himself or the people that came after him wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do. So, there was a part of the covenant he didn't let Abraham do. Yeah. God exactly. and God did it, and so and did both parts of the covenant. So yes. it's like, like uh, <laughs> come on, Jerusalem, get it together, <laughs> get it together. It's always easy to point at somebody else's uh, missteps. No, we do. Uh, we do it all the time, man. Yeah. We, we, we mess up. We screw up. We think God doesn't. You know, God's far from us because of how jacked up we are. Mm-hmm. And I don't. It, sometimes it tastes like a slap in the face. Sometimes it tastes <laughs> like someone shaking you by the shoulders. Like, listen here, you idiot. Um, <laughs> sometimes that person is God Himself. But like, yep. you know, it, it's like, you know. No matter how far you feel like you've fallen, God has not let go. That's right. So, sorry. Didn't mean there to hijack your... That's good stuff. I like that. Anyway, go. So, we have a judgment um, and the calling of obedience to the covenant, and then that is counterbalanced with the encouragement to rebuild the temple. You're still in covenant, so rebuild the temple. And then we're going to start working our way out of the, the second part of this chiasm. So... Mm-hmm. You rebuild the temple. Now you have the encouragement to rebuild the temple, which goes against, you know, that's the it's the opposite version of the judgment for obedience to the covenant. And then you have true fasting versus 14 through 17 of chapter eight is where we are now. True fasting expresses itself in mercy and injustice. That goes back to um, the, the question of a judgment of fasting. You know, how should we? Well, true fasting says you're going to show mercy to people. This is how you're going to behave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the answer is, the the question is ultimately answered in verses 18 and 19, where it says, let fast be turned into celebration. So um, do we continue to mourn over fasting in Jerusalem's mor- uh, fall? The answer to that is, if you're going to fast, let your fast be a celebration, because Jerusalem may have physically fallen, but God has not fallen. 
the presence right. of God has not fallen. And so you should mm-hmm. be rejoicing. You should be celebrating because God is still triumphant regardless of what the world says about God. Mm-hmm. Because God is still God of all the nations, regardless yep. of what the world says about God, regardless of if 99.999% of the world ignores God, God is still God of the nations. Yep. Period. End of story. So that that rolls itself out there in chapter seven and eight. Take us through these these last two sections, which are super fun. <laughs> yeah, they are. So the last two sections are oracles. Um, the first one in chapters nine, ten, and eleven are Zion's king and the glorious future for God's people. Um, this uh, this oracle starts with the judgment on the nations and mm-hmm. turns to the promised restoration of the Davidic king. This really sets the stage for the coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also uh, notes about a united Israel, um, and, and this is um, this, this united Israel is enclosed by a denunciation of false shepherds, and that um, the last of these encloses a picture of God's true shepherd who will be rejected by the people. Um, mm-hmm. Which, in turn, sets us up for the final oracle in Zechariah, um, which is the smiting and final triumph of God's king. I love um, that word, smiting. That's such a, that's it makes such me a, think I, of Bruce Almighty. Smite me, almighty smiter! <laughs> for a split second, I thought for some reason there was a typo, and then I remembered smiting is a word. <laughs> um, so, with this true shepherd being rejected, this sets up a return, uh, this sets up the return of the shepherd on that day um in quotation marks that day mm-hmm. um that is in anticipation for the second coming of Jesus um and let's see here sorry i got lost a little bit um there's you know that sets up the final uh expression of the holy war the eschatological mm-hmm. expression of the holy war that's another good word um uh, where the enemy surrounds and ransacks Jerusalem and the king is killed, but in the end, God's glorious final kingdom emerges. Um, and again, you know, th- this is like, I feel like Zechariah a, a lot of times is like giving you the ending of the book before mm-hmm. reading, before, you know, you get a chance to read the first part is like, um, you know, God is, God is with you. God is never going to leave you all that, you know, no matter what you go through, God's always going to be there. Right here at the end, he's, you know, God's glorious kingdom emerges, which is a foreshadowing to the end of Revelation, yeah, um, where God's kingdom emerges. So it, it's there's a lot of looking forward in Zechariah. Oh yeah, um, but there's also a lot to take and apply to the here and now from mm-hmm. Zechariah as well. So, but there we go. There's Zechariah, the whole book. We covered it. We didn't even need two weeks to do it this time. No, not this time. <laughs> so we've had so many short books that I was like, "Oh man, are we going to be able to do this?" <laughs> well, we did it. So, um, Anthony, before we go tonight, would you pray for us and Absolutely. our listeners? Absolutely. Let me do that. God, we thank you for uh, another night to sit down and enjoy the fruits of your creation, just uh, to relax and talk and discuss your word. We thank you for the book of Zechariah that so often is overlooked, but gives us so much information and points us towards uh, the hope of our salvation, which is Christ. 
we're so grateful that you saw fit to weave this story of scripture all the way through and include the book of Zechariah where uh, these visions and and these oracles that a lot of times we don't understand because our finite minds just can't comprehend them. Uh, but God, we're grateful for your grace and your mercy um, each day that allows us to to think about these things and to discuss these things and to wrestle with these these truths. Uh, and God, we're so grateful that that you gave us a promise. You gave us a promise that you would return. You gave us a promise that you will bring your people to yourself, and you gave us a promise that that would be done through the person and work of Jesus Christ, and we're so thankful for what he did. Uh, God, may we remember that as we read through the book of Zechariah. Um, may we not neglect the book of Zechariah because it's so rich with the imagery and the foreshadowing of Christ and what he did for us. Uh, and God, that we would see that and we would embrace that and and that we would uh, use that to to push us into telling other people about your son, Jesus, and what he has done for us. So we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, in whom we have our ultimate hope and our ultimate salvation, the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, Michael, if folks wanted to reach us on social media platforms, you know, this is total sidebar, not related to anything we've discussed tonight, not even on the topic of the Bible. I had to take a class this week, and this guy teaching the class, it was like a it was like a PowerPoint presentation, and it had audio on it. And this guy in the video talked so slow, it drove me crazy. Now, I people tell me I talk really fast, and maybe that's true, I don't know. But this guy was like, and so, what you want to do, actually it was like, what you want to do, is and i was like bro can i put this on like 3x speed please so i can You're like i've got somewhere i've got to i've got somewhere i've got to be in like six months and i'd really like to be able to make it so if you could finish this class up that'd be great it was it was it was terrible anyway michael if people wanted to reach us on social media where would they do that you can find the beers and bible podcast the best beers and bible podcast there is out there on instagram at beers and bible underscore you can find us on twitter at beers and bible p1 i don't know if there's another beers and, actually i do know there is another beers and bible isn't there i think so and we want to meet those guys yeah we do so if you guys if you know the other beers and bible people let, let's 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 get hooked up um where was like twitter uh facebook <laughs> uh beers and bible podcast search it and look for our logo there you can email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. And um, if you have any beer suggestions, questions about the Bible, questions about anything we've discussed, or you just want to say, hey, you can reach us out on at, you can reach out, wow, <laughs> you can reach out to us on any and all of those platforms, and we will uh, love to uh, chat with you in one way or another. But there you go. There's where you can find us. Yes, words is hard. <laughs> it can be, man. <laughs> well, until next week, I hope, we hope, that your Bible stays open, your beer stays cold. That was backwards. It, it was backwards. I was like, I can't remember. <laughs> your beer's got to stay cold. I mean, we want both to happen, to be honest. We want your beer to be cold. We want your Bible to be open, regardless of what order it's in. But... We do want both of those things to happen. So I hope your beer stays cold. I hope your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>